Well, happy December, everybody. Haven't you enjoyed the Missouri City team leading us in worship today? Amen. During December, we, we try to give a, a little bit more time to the worship ministry so that gives us an opportunity to sing more of the Christmas carols during the December time. And it is a great time of being able to sing these old songs that have come to mean so much to us over the years. Now, this morning, I want to begin a three-part Christmas series entitled, It's a Wonderful Life, Because He Came. Now, obviously, it's a takeoff of the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. So how many of you have ever seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life? Would you raise your hand? Keep them up for a few minutes. Look around. Almost everybody in this room, almost everybody, and I'm not surprised. Now, here's the next question. How many of you have seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, not just once, not just twice, but many times, would you raise your hand? See, I'm not surprised at that either. And in fact, seriously, every December, it's part of December for me, I've got to find It's a Wonderful Life somewhere on TV, and i got to watch that movie. Maybe I watch the whole movie, maybe I watch just part of the movie, but it is part of the whole celebration of Christmas for me. Now, it was actually filmed in 1946, almost back to Jesus, 1946. Is that far? But over the last 72 years, people are still watching. It's a Wonderful Life. It is such a powerful movie. It's, that's why it's called a classic. Now, there are three powerful themes that were woven into this film, this story, It's a Wonderful Life. And those three themes are powerful themes in the very first Christmas. And so we're taking those themes and joining them to God's Word and helping teach us how it is that we can prepare our hearts for Christmas this season. Now, you remember that the main character is a guy named George Bailey, George Bailey graduates from college, and all of his aspirations and dreams and hopes that he has, all of them are to get out of Bedford Falls. Remember, that's the town that he was born and raised in. I got to get out of this little town, and then I will spread my wings, and I will be a raging success. But through a series of events that happened that he could not control, he ended up staying in Bedford Falls his entire life. He ended up managing a savings and loan that his father had handed down to him. The last thing in the world he wanted to do. But he ended up managing that savings and loan. But he managed that savings and loan not to line his own pockets, but to help those in his community. He poured out his life to help so many people in that community. He gave up, in essence, all of his aspirations to help them. And over the course of a few decades of his adult life, he had made an amazing impact in Bedford Falls. But... It all came crashing down one Christmas Eve. There was a shortfall in the bank through no fault of his own. And suddenly there were funds missing. And though he didn't do it, he was going to take the hit for it. And here comes 
the bank examiner and the sheriff on Christmas Eve to arrest him, to take him to jail, and more than likely, eventually take him to prison. And all of his life comes crashing down. George has no hope. Take a look at this short clip. Through some sort of an accident, my company shortened their accounts. The bank examiner got there today. I've got to raise $8,000 immediately. Oh, that's what the reporters wanted to talk to you about. The reporters? Yes, they called me up from your building and loan. Oh, there's a man over there from the DA's office, too, who's looking for you. Please help me, Mr. Potter. Help me, won't you, please? Can't you see what it means to my family? As a stockholder of the building and loan, I'm going to swear out a warrant for your arrest. Misappropriation of funds, manipulation, malfeasance. Have you ever felt that way? Oh, God. Oh, Father in heaven, show me the way. Have you ever been in a situation in which it seemed as though everything was caving in in your life and it was totally hopeless and you did not know what was going to happen? Now, the truth is, in the story, God has already decided to intersect George's life. God has already decided to rescue him. He doesn't know how he's going to do it. How, hey, George doesn't know how God is going to do it, but God is already working it out in George's life. He just doesn't realize it. And I've thought so many times and times in which I've had such hard moments in my life. Oh, God, where are you? But God had already worked it out to meet that need. Every one of us need hope in our life. Hope is one of the most powerful forces of our life. It is hope that allows a student to make better grades. It is hope that gives the strength to an athlete to perform better. It is hope that actually causes people to live longer lives. Hope has that kind of impact in our life. Dr. Shane Lopez, who is Gallup's senior scientist and research director, for many years, one of the, the tasks that he had was to do research on several different topics, and one of those topics he did research for on the behalf of Gallup and did many of the polls that Gallup did dealing with the issue of hope. He became sort of an authority on the idea of hope. And he said this. He died two years ago, but before his death, he made this statement. Hope isn't just an emotion. It is an essential life tool. It's the whole idea of Christmas. God actually came 
delivering hope to the whole world in the form of his son on Christmas Day. And that is what I want to talk to you about today. I want to show you that it's a wonderful life, that you are living out a wonderful life, even though, even though some of you are going through maybe some of the deepest waters and the hardest times of your life, you can have hope. Now, why? Well, first of all, we can have hope because Christmas proves that God cares. Galatians chapter 4 and verses 4 and 5 are, is the passage that I want us to look at. So would you do me a favor? Would you stand for just a moment? And I'm going to ask us if we would read this passage of Scripture out loud together. Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, and let's start with the word but. And were you ready? Here we go. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Thank you so much. You may be seated. In 2015 in San Bernardino, in a particular building there, an office building, all of a sudden a man bursts in and begins to shoot everybody in that room. He didn't know anybody in that room. He just came and, and started shooting people. There was no way they could ever have prepared for it. In that room was a host of people. All of them worked in that office. Two of those that worked in that office was a woman named Denise Peraza, and 27 years old, and this is Denise. And she was talking to a co-worker named Shannon Johnson, and this is a picture of Shannon Johnson. They were standing there, they were talking when the gunman came in and all of a sudden he opened fire. Denise and Shannon dove under the table, the same table, and Shannon positioned himself so that he could protect Denise. And as they were laying there waiting to find out what would happen as the guy is shooting people, he whispers in her ear, I've got you. The bullet that would have killed Denise killed Shannon instead. And Denise said, amidst the chaos, I'll always remember him saying these three words, I've got you. Denise was rescued because somebody did something for her that she could not do for herself. Someone was willing to take the bullet that was hers and to die in her place. And in the darkest moment of her life, assure her, I've got you. If you stop and think about it, this is what Christmas is really all about. This is what God was doing when he sent his son to this earth. It was as though he were wrapping his arms around us and he was whispering into our ear, I've got you. Sin will not prevail against you. Death will not be the final word of your life. And evil will not win in this world. It's the greatest truth of all. Sin will not prevail against you. Death will not be the final determiner of your life. 
and evil will not win in this world. God sent his son to take the bullet for us. He sent his son to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, to die in our place. When we came to understand that no matter how good we were, no matter how much we live by the rules and regulations of the Bible, the law of the Word of God, we could never be good enough to save ourselves. We're not good enough now. We never could be good enough. And it took God doing something for us that we could not do for ourselves. And this is what Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 is saying when he says, and God sent his son to buy our freedom and our rescue. John 3.16 says, for God so loved you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God solved our forever. He saved our forever with the coming of Jesus. But not just our forever, but our here and now as well. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31 and 32. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who could be against us? There are people against us, but they mean nothing. If God is for us, who cares who is against us? That's what the verse is saying. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also then give us everything else? Christmas is about the hope that we have when God sent his son to say to us, he cares about you. He loves you enough to rescue your forever and you're here and now. There's a second thing that it teaches us. We can have hope because Christmas proves God's timing is perfect. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says, And when the right time came, God sent his son. Those that were living in the first century didn't even know what was going on, didn't realize that the greatest event in world history was about to take place. They had no clue. God was bringing it all together for this key moment. Look at the words, when the right time came. It means that Jesus came on the right schedule, precisely when he should have come. God weaves all of human history and your history together so that it dovetails right into his intentions. God is sovereign. God knows what he is doing. God is totally in charge. And God is involved in your life as well. You've heard the phrase that timing is everything. It was never more true than at this key moment. There are times in which as you're reading through the Old Testament and you're reading all these prophecies about the coming of the Messiah and hundreds of years go by and God, what are you waiting for? God, why are you so late? Why are you so slow? There are times in which we wonder the same thing about our own life. Why is God's timing so slow? 
But God had the timing of the coming of Jesus Christ to be at the perfect moment, the unique moment in history. You realize that something was happening at that moment in history that had not happened yet in all of human history that caused this moment to be the perfect time. It was in this time that all of the known world in the Roman Empire all spoke the same language, the language of Greek. It was during this time in all of the known world in the Roman Empire that you could go, could, you could traverse from one end of the Roman Empire to the other end actually much quicker than at any other time in history because of the network of Roman roads that had been built that was the most amazing thing, the most inventive thing for the first time in human history. Roads from one city to another, these Roman roads that had been built all over the empire. And it was in this moment that the Roman peace had brought peace to the entire area so that you could travel from one place in the Roman Empire to another place in the Roman Empire in relative safety. And it was in this moment that God brought forth his son. Why? Because this would be the key moment that would be the greatest missionary evangelistic moment in human history, that those who came to know Christ as Savior could travel all over the known world teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in Greek, in safety, in speed. And that is why the gospel of Christ traveled all over the known world in first century so quickly. And it was at this very moment God nudged Caesar and said, this is the time. And he called for a census to be taken, and he required everyone to go back to their hometown. What a crazy thing to be registered. Why did God insist on this? So that two people, a young man and a young woman, Joseph and Mary, would travel back to their home city from Nazareth to Bethlehem so that at that very point in time, Jesus, the Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem just like the prophet had declared out of Micah where the Messiah was to be born. God is amazing, isn't he? He gets every little detail right in the perfect timing. God has perfect timing in our lives too. And I will tell you that there have been so many times in which I have thought, God, what is wrong with your timing? Where are you? Why are you not doing what I think you ought to be doing when I think you ought to do it? But God has perfect timing. There's a story that I heard a few decades ago, and quite honestly, I didn't write down all the details at the time. I wish I would have, but the story got burned into my soul. It's a true story about a young woman who's a missionary, and it was sent by Baptist to Africa. I can't remember her name. I can't remember which country in Africa, but she went to Africa as a missionary, a Baptist missionary. By herself, she was single. And while she was there, she had a lot of success. She, she saw so many people come to faith in Christ. But she also got deathly ill to the place in which she did not know whether she would live or die. There was not good medical care around, and she was in a situation that seemed hopeless. To top it all off, her support check did not arrive on time. 
And so she had such very little money because she lived from month to month with that support check. She only had enough money left over that the only food that she could afford to buy was oatmeal. For breakfast, oatmeal. For lunch, oatmeal. For supper, oatmeal. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day, for 30 days... For 30 days, she was so sick, all she could eat, all she could afford to buy was oatmeal. And then at the end of the 30 days, she actually started getting better. And then when the 30 days were up, in comes the support check. 30 days late. The support check came. She could buy more food. She was grateful for that. But there was a sense of disappointment in God and even anger. God, in, in my darkest moment, in the time in which I needed you the most, and that's the time you don't send my support check. Every day she prayed, oh God, send my provisions, and they didn't come until the end of the 30 days, and finally they arrived, and she said that she was pretty upset. And she was mystified. God, why didn't you come through? In a few months, she went on furlough, came back to the States, and she was going from church to church and talking about her mission there and the people that had come to know Christ and the progress that had been made. And in one particular church, she got overwhelmed by the stories, and she told this story of how God didn't come through for her. of how she got so sick and she needed the money and God didn't come through for her. When the service was over, a gentleman walked forward and was talking to her. He was a, a doctor and he said, could you, could you tell me the symptoms that you were going through and when you were so sick? And she began to tell him the symptoms and he said to her, I can't tell you for certain what it was that you had, but I think I know. And I want you to know this, that if the support check would have come in on time, more than likely you would have bought the wrong food and you probably wouldn't have been here today. Do you know what we prescribe for what I think was your illness? We prescribe food like oatmeal day in and day out all the way until you get better. I want to tell you something. I think, he said to her, God didn't let you get that support check in order to save your life. I wonder in our own lives, how many times we look at God and say to him, what is wrong with you? Why aren't you responding? Why aren't you doing what I want you to do, what I think I need you to do, when I need you to do it? But what we're not realizing is that God loves us and that God is sovereign and that God has perfect timing. The one thing that we learn in Christmas is we learn that we can have hope because we have a God who cares for us and we have a God who has perfect timing.
But there's a third thing, and it's this, that we can have hope because Christmas proves that God is with us. He says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, all the things that he says, it's basically, and God did all of this for you so that he could say in verse 5, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. What he is saying in the verse is this. God did not intend to come at one point in history and then, okay, that's over and disappear. God intended through Jesus Christ to have a forever relationship with us, to know us and us to know him and us to have a relationship with him that was as close as a father-child relationship is meant to be. It is exactly what the Bible is saying in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6, when he says, and God said, I will never leave you and never will I forsake you. And Matthew 28, Jesus said in verse 20, be sure of this truth, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. His presence in your life does not mean everything will go smoothly. Listen to me. His presence, God's presence in your life doesn't mean, well, everything is going to be smooth now. But it does mean that no matter what you go through and what you experience, he is with you. And in those moments when it is more than you can handle, it is God who is carrying you. Kate Baller is the associate professor of the history of Christianity in North America at Duke Divinity School. And Kate has terminal cancer. And somebody asked her, how can you say that God loves you when you are dying of cancer? And she said to them, look, I understand the question. And the truth is, I want more time with my, my husband and my son. But it is through this whole experience that I have received an amazing gift. And in her own words, she said it this way, I admit that I've been pretty angry at times, but mostly... I have felt God's presence. It has been the presence of a friend. And like someone who is holding me, I have felt scared. I haven't felt scared as much as I have just felt loved by God. Christmas is the time of hope where God says to us, I care about you. I have perfect timing in your life. And I will never leave you or forsake you. I am with you always. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word and the truth of what we learn from Christmas, from the coming of Jesus Christ to this earth. Now, God, I pray that you would move in hearts today. You would change us from the inside out. God, I pray that you would move in hearts today to come and receive Christ as Savior, to join this church, and Father, for the many in this room to recommit their hearts to you, to say, God, I yield myself in a fresh way to Jesus Christ. God, move in lives today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.